Good morning. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 7 through 10, it reads, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Recently, I was at a car dealership having my air conditioner serviced. And while I was in the lounge area reading a book, while I waited, as I'm reading one, of the car salesman came in for a cup of coffee. And as he was getting ready to leave, he asked me what I was reading. I told him that the title of the book was Jesus Among Other Gods. Adam introduced himself and sat down with me. He said Jesus was the only God, and then he proceeded to tell me how he loved to share Jesus with everyone, even though on occasion it would cost him the sale of an automobile. He said that he didn't used to be that way. As a matter of fact, he was ex-military and his attitude and demeanor used to be quite different. Adam told me that one day his wife asked him three questions. The first, can people say you are a good father? To which he replied, absolutely. The second question, can people say you are a good provider? To which he replied, oh, most definitely. The third question, can people say you are a godly man? He said he was not able to respond most definitely, absolutely, or even yes to that question. I said, well, your wife was telling you that you were kind of full of yourself, wasn't she? <laughs> Adam said, yes, she was, and she was right, with good reason. But it motivated him to make some changes in his life. Now he can say without a doubt that people can call him a godly man. Three of his four children who had seen him at his worst are believers of Jesus Christ. He went on to say that his youngest, who is about 10 years old, does not know a stranger when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a testimony that through a wife's gentle prodding, Christ was able to demonstrate his ability to pull others unto himself. What a testimony that his youngest is busy sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. We should take note of his son's example. I have heard it said that the FBI agents don't spend much time studying counterfeit money, as there are so many different variations of bogus bills. Rather, they study the real money, observing all of the unique qualities. In the same way, we need to study Jesus, so that we may know him, and we will know the counterfeits when they appear. After the Philistines in, in 1 Samuel chapter 5 verses 1 through 4, after the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon 
falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon, falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. Should we each choose a religion that is compatible with our own personal values? Dostoevsky once said, When God does not exist, everything is permitted. Devoid of Jesus Christ, man is in bondage and enslaved and no longer free. He is obsessed to serve other gods, whether they are money, house, sex, sports, acceptance, self-fulfillment, or the pursuit of success leading to addiction and self-destruction. In Second Peter 14 through 19, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cruised bird, brood. They have left the straightaway and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bazar, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slave to depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Today, psychology has replaced theology. The pursuit of truth has been replaced with the pursuit of personal happiness. To feel good about oneself is a number one priority. In Luke 16, verses 13 through 15, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this, and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. A man was driving past a farm when he noticed a barn on one side that had numerous targets on the side of that barn. And in the center of each one, right in the bullseye, was an arrow. Impressed that anyone could He's such an expert marksman. He stopped by to congratulate the farmer for such expert marksmanship with a bow and arrow. The farmer was not the least bit impressed. This was not done by me, the farmer explained. It was done by the village idiot. He comes to my farm, shoots arrows into the barn, and then he paints targets around them. In the January 10th, 1994 issue of Time magazine, there was an article about the Jesus Seminar, where nearly 100 self-proclaimed authorities of the Bible had spent six years of study to identify those saving sayings in the Gospels that they believed Jesus 
really said. They used four colored balls to tally the vote. Each person dropped a red bead into a box for a saying that they thought was probably authentic. They used a pink bead for a saying they thought was possibly authentic. A gray bead for those sayings which they thought were probably altered by the disciples. And a black bead, they were reserved for the strongest no vote. What were the results? Only 18% of the more than 700 sayings attributed to Jesus were considered unquestionably authentic. More than half receiving a black bead as being totally rejected. All of the sayings of the Gospel of John were rejected except for one verse, John 4.4. A prophet has no honor in his own country. The parable of the Good Samaritan, passage critical of the rich and the command to love our neighbors, they all received red beads. The passages that called for repentance, affirmed Christ's deity, or spoke of the need for redemption, they were all blackballed. Essentially, these self-proclaimed authorities rejected anything they did not like. These authorities were creating a human Christ that would agree with their liberal agenda. We all have a choice whether we believe the Bible or not, whether we believe just parts of it or believe it in its entirety. Let's see what the Gospel of John, which these self-proclaimed authorities rejected, has to say on the subject. In John 3.12, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? In John 16, verses 1 through 17, All of this I have told you, so that you will not fall away, that you will put out, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He only speaks what he hears. And he will tell you what it is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I have said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. 
Jesus has given us through the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, so that we may know the truth. And in those scriptures, Jesus was prophesying about his death and subsequent resurrection. When we meet someone who believes that all paths lead to God, we should have the presence of mind to realize that only error could have such flexibility. Error can encompass any spectrum that is not encompassed by truth. We are all entitled to our own opinion of Christ, but we are not entitled to our own opinion of the truth. If it is true, as A.L. Tozer has said, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us, then we need to ask, what kind of God has our society created? There are those who believe that Christianity should be purged of its sinful state of mind, namely, its exclusiveness. They want inclusiveness, where nothing is sin. If there is no sin, there is no need for a Savior. If we listen to our media, educators, and even some religious leaders, you might get the impression that we can shoot the arrows anywhere we wish, and a benevolent God will approve every shot, that there are no losers because God will make sure everyone hits the bullseye. There are many false teachers, and we need the spirit of truth to help us identify and avoid what they are teaching. We need to realize that the world does not need our ideas about God, but the world needs God's ideas about himself and his relationship to us. He has revealed himself in the Bible, and we must point out why all of the gods are idols. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Anything we elevate above God becomes a God and a stumbling block to us. That could be money, power, job, prestige, house, car, or other possessions. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Recently, I was in a motel dining facility. There were four TVs playing all on different stations, as well as the radio playing. And let's not forget about the noise from a nearby cell phone. It served as a reminder of the noises of Satan that we are bombarded with daily and how they serve as a distraction to drown out the quiet yet distinctive voice of God. We need to make sure we tune into God's voice, His frequency, so that we will better be able to Ignore the voices of the world and Satan. In John 8, verses 31 and 32, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, 
and the truth will set you free. Truth has power, and it can be liberating. Only truth endures in this life and the life to come. In Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Years ago, when Erwin Lutzer was sitting next to a popular woman pastor at a banquet, he asked her, Do you believe that Christ is the only way to God? She replied, of course, why do you ask? Knowing that she was deeply involved in the New Age movement, he persisted. Do you believe that all religions of the world are equally valid? Again, she replied, of course. When he asked her how this could be reconciled with the view that Christ was the only way to God, she refused to answer. Undaunted, he persisted until she leaned over and whispered in his ear, When I speak about Christ, I am not talking about Jesus of Nazareth. What Christ could she be referring to if not Jesus of Nazareth? Many people who believe in the Christ she was referring to will be eternally separated from God because they have believed in the wrong one. There are many false cults who deny the deity of Christ but claim him as a savior. A Christ who isn't quite God would be like a bridge that has been washed out. With such a Christ, it would be impossible to connect the chasm that separates us from God. What did the Apostle Paul say about such Christ? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 through 15, For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerading as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. In Matthew 24, verses 23 through 27, At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is a Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Christ is open to accommodate those whose hearts are open to embrace the truth. Doubt is not unbelief, but lacking in evidence. Unbelief is frequently rebellion against the evidence. Someone has once said that doubt is stumbling over a stone that we do not understand. Unbelief is kicking a stone that we understand all too well. Are you ready for Christ to help you with your doubts? As we sing a song of invitation, are you ready to put Jesus Christ before the gods of this world? Are you ready to put God first place in your life? If you are ready to surrender your life to make Jesus Christ your Savior and the Lord of your life, won't you come now as we sing?